0: The value of learning something new usually outweighs doing the same thing that you're already good at. Do something small every day, and I think over time, you will really build that confidence to know that you will succeed in your next role, even if you can't quite see from the beginning what that will look like. I'm Carly Zakin,
1: and I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to 9 to 5-ish with The Skin.
2: Today, our guest is Michelle Kelly. She is the CEO of the iconic fashion brand, Lilly Pulitzer. But back when she started at Lily Pulitzer in 2004, her business card read major stores development manager. Since she joined the company, Michelle's had eight different job titles across four different departments. So today we're going to talk to her about the art of the pivot and working your way up the corporate ladder. Michelle, I'm so glad you could join us. Welcome to 9to5ish. Thank you so much for having me. So before we get into the conversation, as you may know, we like to warm up with a lightning round so we can get to know you better. Quick questions, quick answers. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Okay, we're going to do it. What is the first job you ever had on your resume?
0: I was a business analyst with McKinsey and Company. What's like your first job job? My first job, it's not on my resume anymore, but I actually spent a summer selling hot dogs out of one of those kind of vendor carts in a corporate park out in Colorado. Oh <laughs> it's God. definitely not glamorous. I love it. <laughs> Hopefully you got free hot dogs. Yes.
2: Finish this sentence. What best describes your work day? Working nine till blank.
0: Probably six or seven. A few check-ins maybe after that.
2: So Lily Pulitzer is known for, it's like vibrant colors and patterns. What are two colors that you're like, I would never put together?
0: Ooh, I don't, I think we will really do the entire rainbow. I haven't found a combination that I don't like yet. Who is
2: one celebrity that you would love to see decked out in Lily Pulitzer?
0: Ooh, great question. There are so many coming to mind. I would love to see Kate Hudson and Goldie Hahn. I think they would be a fabulous... Ooh, a
2: mother-daughter duo. I like it. Absolutely. What is the last TV show you binge watched?
0: I just finished season three of Succession.
2: Oh, so good, oh, right?
0: So intense.
2: Okay, well, who is the last text that you sent?
0: I sent one of my dearest girlfriends a birthday message for her twins. She has twins and their birthday is today. And I just said, happy birthday to them. Yeah. Very nice. Okay.
2: I am very excited to hear more about your story. In a day and age where people move jobs a lot and don't stay in one place for a long time, you have, and you've done it really successfully. You have pivoted your role at the company many times. When we think about pivoting and you think about pivoting within your career, like how did that come to be? Were you just raising your hand a lot to take on new opportunities?
0: I would say there were definitely, there were a combination of circumstances. I think no single pivot looked like the one prior. There were definitely times where external circumstances were really the driver. I think in the 2008 recession, the company just, you know, really had this all hands on deck environment and we were all just, you know, holding up the catcher's mitts for different responsibilities. That was definitely driven by external circumstances. I had about a three or four year period of my career where my kids were very young. I have two teenage boys. And when they were very little, it was very important to me to not be traveling and to have a slightly reduced schedule. So I think I tried every variation of three day, four day, five day, various types of schedules. And that did, you know, have an impact on certain roles that would be more conducive to that. So that was a driver of one of my pivots that at the time, I think felt like, you know, is this the right thing? Is this going to feel like a step back. And in hindsight, it ended up, you know, not being so I got to learn an entirely new function. So that was one time where personal circumstances really dictated a change. And then of course, you know, I've been so lucky to have wonderful mentors and leaders who there were definitely times where they came to me and said, hey, you know, we're thinking about going in this direction for one area of the company and we need someone who, who understands the customer, who pick things up quickly. Would you be willing to try it? And in those cases, you know, I would say that I raised my hand and said, you know, absolutely. So different circumstances really driving the different pivots. The common thread is that I was always open to listening and eager to learn something new. And that has definitely helps when you look back on it. And and I think it's it's an
1: interesting one that you talked about different schedules and the ability to try out different things around you having a family at the same time and, and both staying in and accepting more responsibility or different roles while also trying to figure out what worked for you. At those moments in time, did you consider looking at other places or did you feel really supported by the organization? I think what we hear from our audience so often is that those points of transition are oftentimes when women think about leaving the workforce or feel like that they don't have the options or maybe don't don't want to or don't know how to ask for that flexibility.
0: Absolutely. No, it's a really, uh, there are a lot of trade-offs and I think if I can share anything, I should share that there wasn't a time where I knew everything would work out and you know that I'd be staying with the company as, as long as I did and able to continue to grow. There is a little bit of that maybe insecurity or questioning that is very normal. And I think if anyone is feeling this sense that, that I'm sure is very common of, I want to talk to my manager about something different, but I'm nervous about it, they will definitely go on record and say, I-, I felt the exact same thing. That is completely normal. Um, to answer your question, I think it was both. I felt very supported within Lily is a great company. I'm of course biased, but we are a great company rooted in a story where a woman set out to improve her life and in doing so created this entire brand. So I think that some of those roots are embedded in the company, really trying their best to always manage, you know, that combination of how do we help, you know, the company get what, what the company needs, but also really caring about people as individuals and and definitely being open to listen to what they need. So I did always feel supported. There have been times where I had a specific thought in my mind as to what I wanted next. And, you know, of course, it's tempting to go, you know, look and see what are all the places where you might be able to find that. But I think it's a really overlooked opportunity to try to dig in in the company where you are and say, well, how can I get that here? And in my experience, there were a couple of times where I had something specific in mind as my next step or professional development that I wanted or a lifestyle change that I was looking for, I always explored first whether I could get that at Lilly. And, you know, I think if you love the overall company and you believe in the product, love the customer, believe in the company's purpose, then it's definitely worth having some of those difficult conversations that might explore how, how can I get what I'm looking for here? The worst anyone can say is no. And that's, that's totally fine. You're then no worse off than if you hadn't asked the question. We talk about,
2: that a lot that the worst anybody can say is no. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make an assumption that some of these roles were growth roles. What I mean by that is like you hadn't done those roles before so you were going to learn a little bit as you did the job and it was going to stretch you. Is that
0: a fair assumption? Absolutely. Very fair. Yes, there were plenty of times where I really did not know what I was doing and just jumped right in.
2: <laughs> so, my question around that is what was it like to walk into growth roles? in a place that you had already spent years at and people already knew you? Like talk to us a little bit about like the vulnerability of being in a growth role and kind of having to prove yourself again.
0: Yes, it's a great question. I think on the one hand, if you're going to take a growth role, the benefit of doing it in a company where you're already comfortable, There really is a benefit there. I I think it was always nice for me walking into a new role and maybe all I had to do was change where my desk was located, but I still knew, you know, how to get packages shipped and, you know, who to call and the overall lunch situation. I think those, some of those, you know, little logistics.
2: We have talked to, you know, some of our earliest employees about this who have been with us and, and continue to grow with the company. And we certainly have experienced this too, that like there is a weirdness when perhaps you become your friend's boss or all of a sudden you need to like be the leader who sometimes, you know, is not the favorite person in the room all the time. How has that transition been? And like, what is your advice to people going through that for the first time?
0: It definitely has been a transition. I would say for me, it's, you know, it's been gradual. Again, I've been in the same brand for 17 years. But I do think that if anyone has that sense of nervousness about, oh gosh, can I make a tough decision or have a tough conversation with someone? You know, for me, I always found a lot of strength and conviction in knowing that it was the right thing for the customer with hopefully it always was. And I think that that gave me some strength. So maybe just depersonalizing it a little bit, which is easier said than done. You know, sometimes change is really hard to initiate, but I always remind myself and and plenty of others out there remind me that staying the same is a risk as well. So as much as it is a risk to change something that we've always done, it's probably a bigger risk to keep things the same and then have them not fit the needs of the customer or the business as well.
1: We talk about one of the things that we really look for when people interview at The Skim is they need to have a passion for some part of the business. And I think it's very easy to, to look at people and say, you have a passion for the brand. But I think there are so many aspects now to any business, or there should be, around your tech stack, your marketing techniques, who the audience is, growth avenues. In the different positions that you have at the company, did you find yourself becoming passionate about the company in different ways? I often think about when people think about staying at the company, there's a sense of at times or a fear of complacency Mm
0: -hmm.
1: versus this is an area of the business that I really have no interest in. But then all of a sudden you see how it connects and it's like, oh, wow.
0: Yes, for sure. I do think that having passion for the overall umbrella of what the company does, you know, do you do you love the product that the company is making? Do you really care about the customer that the company is serving? Do you believe in their purpose? And I think those questions are really important, just at the most kind of overarching level. Because, you know, if the answer is yes, 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 or yes to any of those, then again, it's, it's really worth it to dig in and either have difficult conversations that might be needed to to take your career in a different direction. Or on the flip side, eat some of that spinach. I always use that as a bit of an analogy. You know, every job does have a bit of spinach and, you know, I think is a very normal part of work. And, you know, you never want your job to be all the stuff that you don't like. But I think the spinach is a lot easier to digest, to keep with that <laughs> metaphor, if you really do love the overarching, you know, mission of the company, the, the product that you're making, the customer that you're serving. Because if yes, then it's always worth attempting and, and figuring out ways to minimize the stuff that you don't like and enhance the stuff that you do like about your job. And on the flip side, if, you know, someone's doing some self-reflection and they aren't passionate about those things or can't say that at the overarching level, they're not, you know, excited about what the company is trying to accomplish, you know, I would say to them, then think about how much more effective you could be if you were at a place where you had that passion. So in any case, I think that's a really important question. And to tackle the second, the second question you asked about, have I found myself being passionate about Lily in different ways? Absolutely. I think, you know, even the past two years have have been an example where I, I became passionate about really health and safety of our customers and employees in a way that I had never had to give a lot of thought to and passionate about really trying to envision what would change in retail with maybe more intensity and urgency than I had, had ever really given it thought to before.
2: What is your advice if somebody wanted to go to their manager today and say, I love the company, but like I want my role to evolve? How would you want to have that conversation as the CEO?
0: Well, first of all, I love the way that you just said it. I think that's a really great way to start, to just say, you know, I love the company, but I want my role to evolve. That's, no one can disagree with that. That is, you know, a wonderful way to start. And, you know, let's let's the the manager warm up a bit and, you know, set the tone. I definitely recommend drawing out this little triangle that has three points. One point is what I want, what you would want next for your career. The second point being what the company needs. And then the third point of this little triangle would be, you know, what are you best at? What are you great at? Thinking about that will prep you no matter what to have a really well-rounded conversation. Any good manager will be receptive to because, you know, it's not just, hey, here's what I need. Can you make it happen for me? You can kind of fill in the blanks to, to have a conversation that is, you know, I've seen this opportunity for the company to grow and thrive more. This is a perfect fit with some things that I'm really good at. And, you know, you might not know this, but I'm really looking to take this next step in my professional development. So here's how it all comes together. So that's my very tactical, specific advice for anyone who who wants to have that conversation. And again, the worst someone can say is no, I don't think any, you know, any good leader is not going to say no, I won't have the conversation. The person might have some different perspective that the individual can't see from their vantage point. But I think, you know, as long as there's, you know, reasonableness and balance on both sides, that can be a really productive conversation where, you know, it ends up being a win-win.
1: When we talk about evolution and growth, I'm so curious about, especially over the past two years, you have a brand as iconic as, as Lily is. How are you guys excited about building it out further? Like what's, what's coming up?
0: We have so much going on right now. <laughs> the past couple of months have been this, you know, season of real just excitement and renewal. We are working really hard on really trying to make the experience in our stores and online better for the customer but also more connected. And I think that the past, you know, 18 to 24 months in retail have definitely shown us the customer values speed and convenience even for a brand like Lilly, where we really pride ourselves on having a very high-touch conversational experience. Customers are busier than ever. They want to get in, they want to get out. We don't want to lose any of that warmth and really high-touch service approach that we are known for and that we, we really pride ourselves on. But we recognize that you know it's 2022. We need to make sure that we're allowing customers to get in, get out, find their product really efficiently. So you know those are some things that we've got going on. I want to jump to a listener question. So
2: this is from Sarah. Sarah wants to know, how did you balance wanting to move up within your organization with the desire to try different roles and departments? Sometimes those feelings feel at odds with one another, like trying something new might derail progress that you made. I love that question.
0: That's such a great question. Thank you to Sarah for popping that in. And I agree that they are, they can be a little bit uh, at odds the the two things moving up in a kind of more linear fashion versus trying something new. I think they're mostly at odds in the short term. So I think, you know, I... I if you're looking at the long term, I actually think they they work more in sync than it might seem. But 100 percent in the short term, they, they they do feel at odds with each other. I think you know, it takes a bit of a, a risk tolerance to take that leap and try a different role. I think it's a form of, of betting on yourself, which which does take some element of, of risk and a leap of faith. I think betting on yourself can take many different forms, whether it's taking a new role or simply just asking for a professional development opportunity within your current role or even striking out on your own. So I do think that's an important skill and I would encourage everyone to do something small every day that is a form of betting on yourself. Start small and over time, you will really build that confidence to know that you will succeed in your next role, even if you can't quite see from the beginning what that will look like. And, and I think the really the value of learning something new usually outweighs the value of doing the same thing that you're already good at for another year. So again, it doesn't have to be a big move or even outside the company. I think there are plenty of opportunities opportunities to bet on yourself within the company that you're in. But it does start with, you know, asking for a new opportunity or asking just to brainstorm or just asking someone to have lunch to, to talk about things. They don't have to be big dramatic examples of betting on yourself, but all of those are examples of betting on yourself. The only other thing I would say to, to Sarah's great question is that I do think the idea of this linear, straight up career ladder is a bit of a myth that I don't, I don't know that it serves all of us. I would definitely, in hindsight, look at my career as, it's, I would describe it more as a spiral staircase. It didn't always feel like I was taking, you know, a direct step up, but over time I was able to kind of cycle around and, and get more responsibility and more leadership. So, you know, sometimes that might feel like you're taking a sidestep, but I do think the spiral staircase is a really valid path for careers. Love it. Michelle, who is somebody else we should have on this show? You know, I um, had the chance to meet Christiane Pendarvis from Savage Fenty. She's the co-CEO there. Oh, yeah. She is amazing. We were on a panel together earlier this year and yeah, absolutely loved her and I love what they're doing. I would love to talk to her. That's a
2: great one. That's a great recommendation. Our team is on it. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your, your insights from a very cool career. Thank you so
1: much. Thanks for listening to this episode of 9 to 5-ish with The Skim. A new episode will be in your feed again next Wednesday. In the meantime, check out our news podcast, Skim This. Every Thursday, we cover what you need to know each week in 30 minutes or less. And we've also got another podcast, Pop-Cultured with The Skim, where each week we're covering the pop culture moment everyone's talking about. New episodes drop every Tuesday.